Jeff, you were not a believer. You no. lost the faith. We discussed this when we with the Colorado move last week. Mm-hmm. And now the Pac-12 is officially dead. Not officially. Officially, uh, probably tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, if we're speaking in, in absolute truth, right? Officially, it's probably tomorrow. But it's effectively dead. And it will be dead. It's like when your, let's say, great-grandparent, not grandparent, because we're all still close enough, you know, like grandparents still hurts. But great-grandparents, they probably died when you were little. So it's like when you got a call from your, you're supposed to go say like, uh, bro, I can one up you. I never met a single one of my grandparents. Oh, geez. That's what happens when Is you're the youngest real? kid. Wow. Yeah. I had four great grandparents until I was, well, let's see. My great grandpa died when I was like five. And then I had three great grandparents until I was 13. My great grandma just died uh, like five years ago. So I was almost 30 and still had great grandparents. Anyway, it's like when you get a call from your mom says, hey, your great grandma is about to die. We should probably go say you know, our goodbyes this weekend. It's kind of where we're at. You know, go hug a Washington State fan. You know, go go give a kiss to a beaver. The Pac-12 is about to die. It's coming. It's happening. Everybody knows. And it's sad for them not real sad for us but it's sad for them it is sad i mean it's you know you think of like how we felt like getting left out in 2016 but this is like this is a little bit more finality to it right because it's not like wazoo and oregon state like they are not cincinnati where when cincinnati got left out in 2010 or 2011 whatever that it was you know they won multiple biggies championships back-to-back bcs bowls you know, a yeah. blocked field goal away from playing Alabama for a natty. You know, they were playing in how, like Wazoo or, uh, you know, Wazoo or Oregon State are not that. I mean, not that. I guess Oregon State did win nine games or ten games last year, but the that's who know, I feel they, bad for is Jonathan Smith. Like, I think well, that, that, I was thinking about this today of how long do they keep them because they're going to have to restructure their contracts because they can't. Have, well, Oregon State maybe like. Washington State, if you take a look at their budget, they oh, they're are, they're a G5. Like their budget is nearly identical to Boise, Fresno, like those lo- types of programs, but they have the 20 extra million dollars that the Pac-12 gives them. That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. And well, and in and so it, well, actually, it's the difference is 20 million dollars, but the Pac-12 distributes like 30 million dollars more. So their bu- budget is actually less outside of the Pac-12 money. And so they are going to have to restructure like Jake Dickert's contract track is going to have to get changed. And, you know, they're going to end up having to, you know, they're not, it's not just players going to be hitting the portal, you know, it's going to be coaches hitting. Um, Here's one thing. I look at a good coach. It's so Smith. Like they're not going to say. I think Smith is one of the best coaches in the country. Yeah. Uh, But here's what I looked up yesterday because I was curious. Uh, Oregon state just, finished i think this year is the debut year of their 162 million dollar stadium renovation yeah so i'm uh, sorry taxpayers in oregon you're gonna bail that out 
right or cal with their 120 year mortgage on yeah. on their stadium so i think the path forward for the pack four because i so it is presumed that it's arizona and asu it's planning they're both supposed to announce their move tomorrow obviously oregon and washington are going to be announcing their move to the pack or to the big 10 uh utah i don't know when but i mean if asu is coming then utah is going to be number 16 yeah i think so i mean we can assume i i think there's a logical argument to make and you've made the argument i've refused to even have the conversation because it just didn't seem plausible uh, but there's an argument to be made that would Brett Yormark look around and be like, do I need Utah? Do I need Arizona state? But I think if he adds Arizona state, that's kind of a sign that he is fine doubling down on, you know, the same markets, yeah. right? Like I get it. Tucson, yeah. Phoenix, they're different, but it's the same. And I think that that would be a signal that, yeah, I don't have any issues saying BYU and Utah. Now we own the entire Salt Lake market. And, and the one thing that could, change that i mean it's still not like slam dunk confirmed that asu is coming it was reported right. that arizona was voted on by the big 12 presidents yesterday they have another meeting this afternoon which is presumably to vote on you know like utah and asu uh some for some reason the asu president still thought the pac-12 was going to survive but that dude should be fired into the sun uh, um, george klyovkov should be fired into the sun dude, what a cataclysm catastrophic cataclysmic is that the right usage of that word a yes. cataclysmic failure of george klyovkov can we talk Dude, about i that? told you his career ended i talked about this so with the big east I, holy crap i mean with the big east fall apart what whatever the commissioner's name is i don't remember off the top of my head but i looked it up that was the last job that he had like after the big east fell apart and then they fired him and brought in a resco that dude did not work a day again for another decade and then he passed away in like at the beginning of last year so was it's he like old? george uh yeah he was old, like, old. He was, george is an he, old he started yeah because he was like an ad in like the early, late 70s early 80s at one of the biggie schools and then moved to the league office so like he died in his 70s um yeah, okay. but i mean klavkov's here's done i think uh I, the most the wild thing uh, and i think uh shehan jaraja um which if you don't follow him he's a national you should he's a national reporter for cbs also does some work for uh what's his face dave campbell's texas football he's based in dallas he does a lot of big 12 coverage you should follow him um so shehan said it's really something how there were concerning reports about the state of the pac-12 tv contract for over a year the Pac-12 finally presented the deal with the numbers on Tuesday, and it was so bad that it have it immediately led to the dissolution of the entire conference within a week. The Pac-12 yeah, was done pocket twos in July of 2022 and spent literally more than a year hoping nobody would call their bluff. Yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy. And and, and we've talked about it a hundred times. Everybody's talked about it a hundred times. But good on you, Brett Yormark. I, I, I hope what this does... I hope it kills this narrative that, oh, big the Big 12 settled and reset the marketplace. No, the Big 12 took the last deal. That was if, it. They didn't reset anything. They if, took what was available. If they reset the market, I was actually thinking about this last night. So it's if, even if they, you know, the, the comparison that fans of a certain school like to make or, you know, the, the Pac-12 homers, the Pac-12 and on, if you will, was that it was like 
we were like the house that sold for undervalue. So we screwed over everyone on the block. So that just means if it was just resetting the market, then the PAC 12 would have taken a deal for $30 million yeah, or maybe a little bit more. If they were worth more, they exactly. still would have gotten a deal for more. It just would have been like 34 or 35, which was the deal they rejected in August, which led to the big 12 to be like, we got to jump on this because we know this is the last one. We need to take that deal that they were just offered. And that's what they did. Yeah, and exactly. so the fact that the deal came in at 20, it's like, yes, the market changed. But even if we reset the market, that still didn't fix the problem that they were not worth double, which is what they thought they were, even after losing USC and UCLA. Yeah. Which I is mean, a truly asinine thought that I, I don't know how anybody could have ever believed that. I don't know either. I mean, that really is shocking to me. John Canzano, $50 million. John Canzano believed it. He thought it was going to be a layup. The beat that His spidey uh, senses 12. have been tingling for the last year. About yeah, that guy, that guy needs to go talk to his doctor about the Cialis. He's been tingling for so long because yikes, yikes, it, yikes, yikes. Just I don't feel complete. bad for him. I feel bad for a lot of people today. I don't really feel bad about the thing that happened. Uh, no, but I just feel it, bad for individuals because this was going to happen. It did happen to BYU and people wanted this to happen to BYU and they wanted it to happen to the Big 12 and it effectively did happen to the Big 12. But like a zombie, like Shredder on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the Big 12 like stuck its hand up through the wood and, and rose from the ashes underneath the, you know, the, the collapsed pier like Shredder did. But everybody left the Big 12 for dead. They didn't care about the Big 12. Everybody left BYU for dead. They don't. They, they didn't care. I mean, they didn't care. So what, I don't feel I bad don't, that what happened, but I do feel bad for some individuals. I feel bad for some individuals. Uh, the Oregon State fans, I feel bad for like Oregon State in their staff and their players. Uh, the couple Oregon State fans, uh, especially that one like Digital Dam dude on Twitter, don't feel bad for them. He was an ass. But the I feel bad for I feel bad for Wazoo the most because. I mean, they've tried, like, there's literally like, what else are you going to do when you are in the middle of freaking nowhere in a city that didn't even have, like, did you know yeah. that they didn't even have a runway in Pullman that you could yeah. land a, a jet on until like five years ago? People have to like, and I don't think Moscow, the Moscow, Idaho airport had one either. Like they were flying into Spokane and taking a bus to get there. Yeah. Like it was like, there's nothing you can do about that geography that just sucks. Like that's a, one of those choices where it's like, Imagine if being in Salt Lake, the University of Utah was in Manti. Yeah. That's exactly. basically what Pullman would be. And you would just have no option. Like, and there's nothing you can do to change it. They can't pack it. And it's just the hand that they were. Well, you, could, you could do what Wake Forest did. And move the campus a hundred miles. Yeah. Just move. And so, yeah. And so that really sucks uh, for Washington state fans. And, you know, they're going to end up probably in the mountain West. Um, I think, you know, there were talks of like SMU Tulane. So honestly, like with this shell of a conference, I don't think it's worth it for SMU to pull out of the American and no. have all this extra travel. Like there's no reason. I don't for think that so either, either, but it, it, the American is kind of a shell of the American too. So I think there's it's a conversation to be had. I mean, there's a conversation, but then you're paying a fee to what? And so it's like, you look at the mountain West, you, there's four PAC 12 teams, maybe. So what it, depending on what Stanford and Cal do, you assume Oregon State and Washington State are going to move to the Mountain West or there's going to be some sort of merger. Maybe Stanford goes independent 
Uh, I think they could pull it off just because they are Stanford. I think they could probably get in somebody on their two, four, seven board posted the idea of like, I think we could do it. Like basically just come to Jesus, uh, realize we're never going to go to the playoff and that's not going to be in the cards for us. So especially with the transfer portal and uh, our academics, like it's just, it's not it. So let's build like an FBS Ivy type independent schedule where, and he basically proposed similar to how Notre Dame plays Stanford and USC. And they just like kind of alternate of just basically like, you know, get the Purdue Northwestern Duke, uh, Virginia, Vanderbilt, you know, get all of these premier, the top academic schools and just say like, Hey, we're going to do like schedule home and homes across a four year period with like Duke and Vanderbilt, or we're going to alternate years playing Duke or Vanderbilt and kind of like cobble together this thing and then round it out with a few mountain West schools. And I think Stanford could probably get that done. Cal, they also maybe could, but they just do not have the institutional support behind them to even do anything. So I, I don't know what Cal's going to do. I, I think they could figure out scheduling. I think they could figure, but the, the problem still exists of where do their games go? How are you watching Stanford play? The it, So it comes down to, I mean, there were offers on the table over the last year. It's not that the Pac-12 well, couldn't yeah, get but, an offer. It's that they couldn't get an offer at the number that they wanted to. So how much is Stanford? And, and, is, is sure. The money, like, but is Apple going to go all in on Stanford by itself? I mean, I could see Apple doing a deal. I mean, when you're talking about I they guess, just offered two. They just offered 200, 100 or $240 million to the pack. So maybe, yeah. They could do 10 I, I to Stanford if, by themselves. Does Does Notre Dame do Stanford a solid and say, hey, let's get you in with Peacock? And it's on Peacock and they're streaming there. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, there, maybe they, there's options. Not West TV deal is only $4 million bucks. So as long as it's $5 million, yeah. it's fine. And it's just a matter of, you know, are they going to have the donors to back and kind of compete at any le measurable level? And will they do well, it? I don't think. Will well, Stanford I, realistically want to ever play Boise State? And that's the big question of are they, I mean, the, the ultimate reality is that the elitism of we don't want to deal with these schools. And, and we saw, I saw it yesterday, a couple of days ago on Twitter. Someone was like, I don't want to be associated with the likes of, oh, you know, yeah. and listed off a bunch of, anytime you're saying the likes of, you're about to say something that's real shitty and you're being in a jerk. <laughs> like that's, that's like one of those things where it's like, if you say no offense, you're about to say something rude. And the, so it's, I don't know what they're going to do that. I mean, really we talk about, it's like, Texas and Oklahoma jumped. They made their move, and we all thought that this was going to happen to the Big 12. And, we did. and the Big 12. And nobody I mean, cared. The Big 12 could have, in 2010, they could have done this, but they couldn't get over Baylor. And so right. that's why there wasn't the Pac 16 in 2010. They couldn't get over Baylor. So that, left, just, that let the Big 12 live, and then they couldn't get over. They didn't want to even think of the possibility of adding. Oklahoma State, Tech, TCU, and Baylor in 2021, yeah. which would have killed the Big 12 entirely. Yeah. And they would have been in this situation instead of Wazoo and Oregon State, you've been talking about Kansas State and Iowa State. And yeah. that was the decision. Like, I mean, this was going to happen. It was just a matter of who. But and if it had happened outcry, the other way, then we would have been left out forever. We would have been left out, and the outcry wouldn't have been there. Like that's uh, that's it wasn't the hardest there. thing I'm trying people to were reconcile. Assuming, like yeah, people, people didn't and care. That's what, when all these like when people are 
I mean, you know, when people are lamenting like, man, it's so sad that the suits have taken over college football and we're seeing the destruction of this conference as a hundred years of history. Okay. Well, I get that the big 12 has only been around for 30, 27 years or whatever. And you know, that it was the big eight and then they expanded. Okay. So it's the big eight was around just as long as the pack. Okay. The Southwest conference was around forever. Nobody cried when the Southwest conference yeah. died because everyone pretty much had a landing spot. And now everybody, but rice and SMU are back in the big 12 or they're in, you know, the sec. So that's fine. It all worked out for them in the end, but the, you know, nobody cared when they were saying the PAC 12 should invite Texas tech and, you know, Oklahoma state now and whatever, and, you know, they should expand and get into the central time zone because then they can own the Pacific mountain and, and get into the central time zones. Everyone was said nobody batted an eye. And that's why big 12 Twitter is so unified in dunking on them and making all these memes because it's like, they know, like, that's why they're the hateful eight, right? Cause those schools yeah. like, no, you could say nobody wanted them. Nobody wanted them. Like, yeah, but it's not because they didn't have viewership numbers. It's not because, you know, like, Arizona, ASU, Colorado, and Utah, your viewership numbers, your brand value are no different than TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State. Like you are a firmly middle, upper middle class college football program. But the snobbery of Stanford, Washington, Oregon, Cal, and not wanting to deal with flyover country and just that overall attitude is what damned your conference and led to it. So that's you. So from people who live there, you don't get a lot of sympathy when you say, oh, I don't want to go to this truck stop conference. I don't want to go to these crappy towns. Oh, that's flyover country. Why would anybody want to live there? Like when you're person, when you are insulting the place where somebody grew up that they're fond of, where they feel like their roots are, where all the friends and family live, when you're insulting that, then why would they feel bad for you? Like you got yeah. what's coming. That's exactly. I mean, that's exactly what it is. I'm interested to see the dynamic. I think Colorado and Arizona fit really nicely because they were also cast off, right? Like nobody thought that they would survive. Nobody thought they were going to go to the Big Ten. Nobody thought they'd survive in the Pac-12. Arizona, especially as the yeah Pac school, it's the time as the land grant school in the state of Arizona really fits in with yeah. The, so culturally, it fits in. But I mean, just the and everyone fans, craps on like, Tucson the way they do the entire Midwest, right? So, so those two schools, I think, are going to fit in great. It'll be interesting because the Big 12, one thing about the Big 12 is that the fan bases have all been unified. You, you described it well, Garrett, that the hateful eight, right? They were all cast off. They were told they were not good enough. Uh, Cincinnati had been kicked out before. BYU has won a national championship. They're one of three teams in the Big 12 who have, and they were kicked out. Um, Houston was kicked out. UCF is young but they've you know they've they've reached really really high levels in their program and have been told that they are not allowed in so there was this unifying bond with the pack i guess with the big 12 before all of this stuff in the last couple of weeks there was this unifying bond that all of these schools had a chip on their shoulder of like no f you world we are awesome and we're gonna prove it to you it's in i, I think arizona and colorado fit that mindset from a fan base perspective because I think that they're tired of being written off. They're tired, you know, like I think they get that. ASU and Utah don't. Like they're just different. They're coming from different places. They're being forced into this move. Maybe they're being wedged into the conference. I'm really curious to see what that does. 
I get that fan bases don't matter, right? Fan bases really don't matter on the program. But we've talked about it from a BYU perspective, that if you're on campus right now, like the energy's different. It's real, and it is tangible, and it is for the better. What's going to happen when you walk onto campus at Utah and you're playing in a conference that's dying this year and knowing full well you're going to somewhere that you don't want to go? Well, and especially a lot of Utah fans where they've said like, this is going to cut our season tickets in, you know, holders in half. The stadium's going to be empty. This is basically like playing a Mountain West schedule. Like, it's I just not do not understand. It's, it's not even close, but I don't even understand the, like, I don't just that overall attitude, the obsession with the Pac-12. Like, I don't love, well, I like the Big 12 because of how unified it is. But if it was falling apart, like it's every man for yourself. Like you got it. It's this, you know, it's I'm happy to be in the big 12 because it means we're in the club and have a theoretical sh- path to a national championship again. Yeah. We're probably never very, ever going to get there and that's fine. I, but the path is there. Like we are in the club. And so like, whether look, it go ahead and it's stable, like I just want to be stably firmly in yeah. the club. I don't care who it is or which, which door of the club we entered through. I just want to be in the building and we are in the building. And so it's weird of like how much that has been hitched to their entire identity. It's very where... strange. And, and, and what I don't understand as I've seen Utah fans and maybe they're out there and I just haven't seen it, but what, what I don't understand is, okay. Utah fans always hated USC. Like it was easy to hate USC, right? Like they're, they were the big brand, but like there wasn't a whole lot of vitriol about UCLA leaving. Like they were mad that they left, but UCLA was like, hey, but you're still cool, bro. Like, even though you screwed us, you're still cool. Like, nobody's mad at Oregon. Nobody's mad at Washington. Like, they're just mad that the Pac-12 was falling apart. But, like, your Pac-12 brethren are the ones who screwed you. Yeah. Like, USC screwed you. UCLA screwed you. Stanford, like right? Like, the California schools that didn't want to play in 2020. That set your conference back. Like from a national branding perspective, from a from a uh, what everybody thought of you and how serious they took you as a football, pro- like that set your program back. And I've said this before from from about Utah, like Utah sells out Rice Eccles Stadium just about every week, right? Like whether they really do or don't, like that place is packed. If you've been to a game, not as a BYU fan, if you've been to a game at Rice Eccles Stadium just as a football fan, they're fun as hell. Utah has been a damn good team and they've done it on the like, recruiting guys that are overlooked and, and, and underrated and they've built it from scratch and they've come so you, far. You mean like the TCUs in Oklahoma States and it, the rest exactly. of the Big 12? So, so they've done everything that the Big 12 is doing and you got to the top, but you were screwed by Washington and Oregon and UCLA and USC and you were screwed by the thought process of schools like Arizona State and schools like Stanford and Cal, why the hell is there any sort of loyalty to those guys who they not only put one knife in your back, but they kept doing it? And it's like Stockholm Syndrome that they just kept like going back and pledging loyalty to this conference that they've been screwing you for 13 months. USC has been out of there, right? They lied about expansion and had a, they didn't want to add Big 12 schools. They didn't want to do things that would stabilize and establish the Pac-12 because it well, with the betterment of the conference, we don't want to do this while simultaneously leaving. Like 
why are Utah fans loyal to that? I would be pissed. And I get it. Like going to Stillwater, Oklahoma is not anybody's vacation spot, but we've talked about this a ton. The stadium is the destination game day. That's why I, that's why you watch college football is because you want to be on campus with the band and the cheerleaders and talking to the opposing fans and getting to know people and all of the pageantry. If you want to go to a big city and watch a football game in a quiet stadium, go to an NFL game. That's why it exists. That's why it's there. And and, and for all of the Pac-12 fans today, especially the ones that are going to be joining the Big 12, right, that are lamenting the loss of the pageantry and the history. I get it. It's gone. That sucks. It's gone, though. It's gone. You killed it. Like you, you took Colorado out of their home. You had no problem doing that. UCLA and USC had no problem leaving their home. Like it's been gone for a while. Today is not the first day that it was gone. It's been gone for a while. If you want that level of pageantry, there is not a better conference in America than the big 12 conference. Like that's what that conference is all about. It isn't, I'm going to Seattle to go and see Seattle and go to Mount Rainier. And Oh, while I'm there, I'll check out the, the Washington game. No, you are going to Stillwater, Oklahoma to watch Oklahoma State football. And so is everybody else in Oklahoma. Like, that's what well, they're doing. And where do people think all the SEC schools are? Exactly. Like, that's they're in the exactly. middle of nowhere, too. Even the Big Ten, right? Like, you ever been to Columbus? Like, it's no. terrible. But I'll be damned if the horseshoe isn't one of my favorite places I've ever been to. Right. But Columbus, Ohio sucks. It's yeah. So when awful. you're saying, like, Oh, I would just rather go to LA, whatever, you know, the trip is better. That's you're missing the point. And if you're saying, well, I just, my interest is greatly diminished because we're not playing a Pac-12 schedule anymore. The the two most ironic things I've seen are people like, it just, it's not as interesting when we're not playing schools like USC anymore. You weren't going to play them USC or UCLA anyway. Your trip to LA was gone, bro. Yeah. And the second one is when, you know, because a lot of BYU fans for, whatever you know right or wrong agree or disagree have said like no like utah has looked down on us they've crapped on us they've looked you know thought that they were better than us for the last decade been so rude and treated us like crap their fans on twitter not the school itself but their fans on twitter then plus chris hill goes and reaches out and he like purposely torpedoed the move to the move our all our other sports to the whack, and we had to scramble to get into the WCC in 2010. You know, that's like we don't want to give them a life raft because they already screwed us over and then they've treated us like crap for the last decade plus. I understand that. I feel that way too. I would rather honestly invite UConn just so that Utah has to live forever knowing that their hubris about the Pac 12 got them left out forever while UConn got a seat at the table because I'm that petty. But I understand if you're not. Okay, because I understand like college football is about rivalries. It's about those things. Okay, you want those, but the Utah fans who say I'm keeping notes of who was scared to have which BYU fans were scared to have Utah in their conference. Okay, then why aren't you pushing for the Pac-14 the last 15 years, Bucko? Yeah, and what? what, I thought it wasn't a rivalry. It's just an. It was just the in-state game. It didn't matter. There's a lot of BYU fans that don't want Utah for the reasons that you just illustrated. I don't. There's not a damn one who's scared of Utah. No, 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 because even the worst possible outcome for Utah of this was that they're on our level. And the thing that they have, and and you talked about this because a lot of people ask on the like the recruiting channel, but it's Utah has been moving away from really going after and targeting LDS talent, uh, especially like in the last few classes. Um, 
they haven't needed to rely on trying to sell, you know, the, the line of, Hey, we've got an Institute. We've got a lot of LDS guys on our staff. You can have, you know, you can create a BYU experience for yourself, you know, here, but you get to play in a P5. So the, you know, with that hasn't, uh, you know, that is taken away in terms of like the, you can have the BYU experience, but in a P5, cause that's gone. Like BYU is in a P4 league. That's not changing. You're there now. So they're on equal footing. So in terms of in-state kids and the LDS kids, BYU has, well, the in-state kids is the same. The LDS kids nationally, BYU has a big leg up now. And not just on Utah. I mean, you look at it like, you look at kids like Tanner McKee went to Stanford. You know, it's he's probably enrolling in Provo. There's a list of guys where if this happened in 2016, things look totally different, or 2011, that, you know, they look totally different because they're not giving up anything in terms of level of play by committing to an independent BYU. So that like that's there. But if you look at most of Utah's last couple of classes, they've gone away from that as they've had success. They haven't needed to rely on, you know, pulling the, yeah. just relying on the in-state kids for depth. They're getting depth pieces from elsewhere. But what do you think? And I mean, you talk to more uh, Utah fans than I do with, you know, just by product of some of the work you do at KSL and things that, and on the radio, what does, do you think, Whittingham is he ever going to coach a game in the big 12 or you think he hangs up after this year I don't know I I, I think that's interesting I want to go back to the recruiting stuff because I have a lot of thoughts but before I do that we got to talk a little bit about Cougar Feast Feast Box if you have not paid attention I don't know how you could miss this if you've been following any BYU accounts Feast Box fantastic restaurant uh, they do barbecue from around the world, Korean barbecue, Hawaiian barbecue, Texas barbecue. They do a lot of things. It's really cool. It's really fun. Cool concept. They were originally a meal prep company. And so they have figured out how to cook food, free, uh, uh, vacuum seal it, and ship it across the country for meal prep. And they are taking the two concepts, the feast box, the restaurant, and the meal prep shipping model. They packaged it together for a BYU NIL deal. Uh, called the Cougar Feast. It's pretty awesome. I've seen it. I've had it. I think it's fantastic. Cougarfeast.com. Order your food. You can get a 12-person meal or a six-person meal now. That's a new I ordered mine for Sam Houston State. Yeah, it's fantastic. They give you two different types of boxes, uh, choices for each game. What's going to happen? So you're going to get two meats. Uh, they say it's two sides and an extra. Really equates to three sides. And if you order the 12 person box, you get a hundred bucks worth of BYU sag, uh, swag. If you order the six person box, it's 25 bucks worth of BYU swag. It all gets packaged up into a dope looking box and shipped to your house the day before the game. And then you open it up and there you go. You have all your tailgate food all ready to roll. All you've got to do. It's, it's essentially what they would do catering with. All you got to do is heat it up and you're ready to roll, and you've got your food, you've got your barbecue for the game. Really cool concept. Check it out at cougarfeast.com. I want to talk about Utah's recruiting because I think that BYU fans, I I, I know because I've heard it, BYU fans have this idea that, okay, if, if Utah's not in the Pac-12 and everything's on even footing, all of those guys that are going to, be, are going to Utah, BYU has a chance. Right, and I think that in, in some respects, I think that that's true. Uh, you know, if you go because there are the time, guys like like the Nate Richies and the Chase Hansons. Yeah, like there are yeah. those guys. Yep, there are some of those guys that are out there. Dallas Vakalahi is one that comes to mind recently. That's one. Um, 
but let's take a look at the 2023 recruiting class because those are names that is, is fresh on everybody's minds. Uh, Spencer Fano signed with Utah. I can tell you right now, Spencer Fano, if he if Utah doesn't exist, take Utah completely out of the equation. So Spencer Fano is not signing with BYU. BYU did not lose Spencer Fano to Utah. BYU lost Spencer Fano to Utah, to Michigan, to uh, USC, to a handful of his other schools. Like Spencer Fano was not coming to BYU. Caleb Lomo is another one. BYU did not lose Caleb Lomo to Utah. He signed with Utah, but if he wouldn't have signed with Utah, everybody thought he was going to go to Michigan. Uh, he was going to look at Oregon. He was looking at Oregon really, really hard. That's that's who BYU lost to was all of those schools. So what's going to happen? Here's what I, I'm afraid will happen. That I, I think that BYU, I'm not afraid of like the consequence. I think BYU could prepare and be just fine. But I think the fans have to understand what's going to happen. And the coaches have to make sure that they're you know prepared and they they make the switch. Utah has done a fantastic job, you talked about it, of building pipelines in California, right? Building pipelines in Florida, getting four-star kids from out of state. They haven't been getting the oh, I don't know, call it the 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 Cepha Brown, who's committed to, to BYU right now. He's a mid-three-star. I think he's a fantastic pass rusher. I, For my money, he's the best pass rusher in the state of Utah this year. Utah offered him, but they didn't recruit him a ton because they could go get a Cepha Brown from out of state, and that's what they've been doing. If you take Utah out of the Pac-12, right, the Rose Bowls are, are gone. It's meaningless now. Uh, they're no longer knocking on the door of the playoff because the game has changed. There's the power two, blah, 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 blah. I don't think Utah has the ability to go and recruit at the same level out of state that they have. So I think that by Utah coming back to the big 12, I think that you are going to see a lot more BYU versus Utah battles. Take a guy like Kini Lau Fonohema out of Springville high school. Utah hasn't offered him. They don't need to. And I, I don't think he's a guy that they would have offered 10 years ago, but he's not a guy that they have to offer now. BYU wants Kenny Lau Fonohema pretty bad. And I think that they're going to get him. But if this were in three years, I think that's a heads up battle between BYU and Utah. So what this is going to do is we're going to see more Utah inside the state. We're going to see more Utah recruiting LDS kids. And if BYU doesn't match the level of recruiting effort that Utah does, because Utah has had advantages, right? They've had more staff. They've had more money. All of that stuff is going to be on even footing, and that's great. But right now, I think you're going to see more BYU versus Utah in the future. You may lose more kids to Utah. All the while, the guys that you were losing, like a Spencer Fano, he's not going to BYU or Utah in the future. He's going to Michigan. You're going to lose more guys out of state entirely. I think that the recruiting dynamic is so different with BYU and Utah in the big 12 together. And I don't know that fans have really like thought that far ahead to understand what that's going to do. It will be like the mountain West days where if there was a kid in Utah, those two schools were, were the likely contenders, but you're adding 30 other schools that weren't recruiting the state of Utah 25 years ago. They're here now, right? Davis Andrews is BYU versus Utah versus Notre Dame. That was never going to happen 20 years ago. That would have been BYU versus Utah. That's tough. That's going to start to happen a lot more. Cash Dillon, right? I, I think he ultimately chooses BYU or Utah, but he's got Washington and UCLA that are the other schools that are on his radar. And if they're now in the P2, 
he probably goes somewhere else. And now BYU and Utah are duking it out for Kenny Laufonohema. Like the, and, the, and that's the, not just a BYU and Utah problem. I mean, that's really it's what everybody. ultimately led to the demise of the pack is so just demographically as participation rates in high school football have dropped on the West coast and people have moved out of California. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, Cal was, Cal was never amazing, you know, year in year out, but they Cal is bad in a bad way. And they have been for some time and it's not looking good for them. Uh, in terms of you know where they're right. going to be, UCLA has not been with one. It's because you have guys like you know DJ Uyangalele going to Clemson when you know you he played at St. John Bosco, where it was before. Like, dude, if you were the if you were the starting quarterback of the school that won the Trinity League, you know you went to USC. LA, you went to either USC or UCLA. And eight out of 10 times it was going to USC and the quarterback of the school that you beat was number two on the UCLA's board. And they took you because the number one guy went to USC, right? right? Like it was, it was straight, like, you know, from, from modern day, St. John Bosco, Sarah, like these schools, it was a straight pipeline. You got on the freeway, drove to Westwood or over to the Coliseum and that was it. Right. And so there's, it's true. And that has changed just because his recruiting has gone nationally over the last two decades right and, and really we saw it with um i mean it kind of really started even in the Pete carroll era when you had guys going from like oh what shoot what is his name um mike who was the receiver from usc that declared after a sophomore year and then had to sit out a year because the nfl didn't change their rules and so he ended up after his sophomore year was that mike was that mike williams who who did that Mike williams yes yeah mike williams you know he was from new jersey right and it's like in he signed in like 2004 or whatever and played in 04 and 05 at usc from new jersey that would not happen in 1985 you know in 1995 even it's just the recruiting has changed it is much more national and even we've seen it today now where we are BYU benefited and got better today with a new recruit coming from Atlanta that was built on top of Kelly Papinga's time at Virginia and being familiar with the Atlanta area. And we're going out and competing for guys that would have never, ever given us attention before. And it's so it's not just, you know, there's more people coming from out of state to compete for this kids from inside the state of Utah. Yeah. It's also has to do it too we are going every, you know, we're going and doing it too, where, you know, we're going out and looking at the Noah Lugos who, you know, are committed to UTSA and they're a kid from Texas, not LDS, zero ties, you know, the LJ Martins, you know, Lugo where it's like, yeah, yeah, Texas and and Texas A&M aren't interested in you, but you're in that next tier and we're going to go scoop you up before Baylor and TCU get turned on to you. And that's what you have to do is you have to recruit them early because now, you know, there, I mean, there still is that, perception issue of like you know well it's it's a blessing because there is the perception issue still of being the religious school but there is a larger swath of kids like it's always what are you willing to put up with you know like it's and that's no matter where you go to it's like what are you willing to put up with like hey if you're stanford and cal are recruiting you living in the bay area is great are you willing to put up with nobody giving a crap about your games yeah, it's cases. always don't. there's an opportunity you, cost for BYU right. when you're an independent BYU. Okay, well, you're not really playing for much and you have to deal with the LDS thing. Well, now, if you're BYU, you have to, you know, 
if you're BYU, then it's you're coming in. The kids offers are SMU or U, you know, the top end of the G5 or U. Okay. Well, if I'm playing in a P4 league, then yeah, it's worth it to me to go deal yeah. with the LDS thing. And yeah. it's still, I mean, it doesn't change and it's not really that big deal. Cause you're still, you're in this is talking to the screws. Cause like the arch mannings of the world, we're never going to talk to you anyway. Ever. And that doesn't matter if you're going to Utah and what Utah has done and what they, you know, where they've won the last two Pac-12 championships is built on like these, you know, these mid-level three stars where you just got to hit on them and the stars have to align. And there are so many of those kids out there that you are trying to find, like, it's not a diamond in the rough, but it's just like your player development. And there's a whole lot of crap you got to sift through. And you don't know what every 18 year old kid's body is going to do by the time they're 21, 22 and yeah. become an upperclassman. Yeah. And, and you hit on a quarterback. I mean, you're only as good as your quarterback is in college football, unless you can be, you know, like a, you know, unless you can be a Georgia or an Alabama where your defense is so good and your run game is so good, it doesn't really matter. And so what will be interesting is to see, okay, Cam Rising is transferred from Texas to the leader in the Pac-12, right? I mean, he kind of knew where he was going. Utah was on the rise when uh, when Rising got there, and then he kind of took it over the top, right? I don't think that Utah gets Cam Rising anymore, right? I don't think that you go from tran- you go from Texas to Utah if Utah's in the Big 12. I think you go from Texas to Minnesota, right? You want to stay in that high, high level and have the, all the access and stuff. So if that's what happens, and I don't know, that's a guess, but if that's what happens, then that means that Utah is potentially coming after Noah Lugo, right? I mean, I think you're going to see a lot more BYU versus Utah recruiting battles going forward. Yeah, and I think it should, I mean, really it shouldn't. I mean, the in-state kids, obviously, but if you're going picking a random kid out of Texas, then that's kind of like, come on, man. Um, But the, so I think there's a, I mean, we've talked way too much about them for a BYU show, but it, it is something that impacts us, right? And we're talking. And- yeah, it's it's that's why we're talking about it is because the impact that it has on BYU is real now, right? We, if we talked about Utah recruiting five years ago, who cares? But BYU and Utah are going to recruit against each other all the time now. Like that's just right. what's going to happen. And, and BYU well, better get ready too, for that. I mean, as BYU fans, when you're saying, you know, that the yes, they won the Pac-12, they went to the Rose Bowl, but BYU won the Pac-12 South in 2021 because we've ran through everybody, right? And that you know, if you're talking about that, and you're saying, you know, well, like Utah would not have won the Big 12 or gone to the Big 12 championship game at all in the last, you know, they've gone to what, like four or whatever, yeah. however many in the Big 12 or in the Pac-12 that they wouldn't have gone to a single one if they played a Big 12 schedule, then it doesn't matter what Utah does. Like we are not trying to beat Utah in recruiting. We are trying to beat Baylor and Oklahoma State and Kansas State and TCU. You're trying, you're trying to sign the kid is what you're trying to do. And I, I think we lose sight of that. It's like, yeah trying to beat Utah, trying to beat these schools. No, we're trying to get the kid here. And if I have to beat Utah along the way, then that's what I want to do. Oh, well, I'm not even talking about just like of Utah hurting our recruiting. It's like, they're not even the target. Like if you think that Utah would have at best finished third in the big 12 at any point in the last five years, then beating Utah is not in recruiting is not the the goal because they're not, they're not the top dog that you're trying to beat out. You know, right now it's like you're going against Sonny Dykes and Dave Aranda. That's the problem. You're trying to get, you know, Joey McGuire out, you know, pulling kids to Lubbock because of the deep connections that he has. 
in the high school, Texas high school football community, like that's what you got to go against. And yeah, it's true. It's like Utah is secondary to that. But I understand the concern of like being the in-state school. And you know, I talked to a lot of Arizona fans over the last couple of weeks. And I brought this up last week of like, you know, how much better does Arizona get if ASU was left behind? It doesn't seem like that that's not going to happen, which the wildest thing of, you know, the report that last night at their board of regents meeting with, uh, you know, it, their president being like talking to a, uh, like talking to a brick wall. Um, but the, with, you know, that it does, it would have really helped Arizona recruiting because they do pull a lot of in-state kids because they're, I mean, the state of Arizona is like double the population of the state of Utah does. And so there's, you know, you talk about that number of in-state kids that they're pulling and, you know, trying to keep them home that it it kind of consolidates more. Uh, You know, if BYU, like, yes, you do have some of that, but you also have the larger, and you used to write this for 24 seven, you used to kind of live with like the other in-state class. And you used to do like your big board of LDS kids. And we still have that. Right. And so it's there. It definitely is a game changer, but it's not the end all be all. You just have to go out and win and do it on the you field. Just gotta go out and win. You get a good quarterback and there's enough. You get into the South. There's enough three star kids who want a good environment that you got to get a bunch of three stars and have the stars align. And with yeah, good quarterback play, and I mean, that's what Baylor had happened when they won the Big 12 in 2021. That's what K-State had happened when they won it last year. That's how TCU got to the national championship. That's how Utah got to the Rose Bowl. Cincinnati, you get the three stars and way. the stars align with extremely good QB play. Yeah, that, it's that's, that's or sorry, extremely bad. reliable. I won't say good because it's like, I mean, you know, it's not like Cam Rising is never going to win the Heisman and he can't throw a deep ball worth a damn. But, no, but you, you yeah, I, I get what you're saying and, and I think you're right. Uh, and that's what Therion Alexander is, right? I mean, we talk about him. That's a big commitment today. He's rated in 87. He's got offers from Mississippi State, NC State, Ole Miss, and they're real offers. Like, oh, Ole Miss just sent him his official offer on August 1st when everybody got their official offers. Like, they were recruiting him as hard as, as anybody else was, right? Uh, so that's a big gift for BYU to get him, and, and he's exactly what you described. When I talked to him earlier this week, I asked him before I knew he was coming, and I said, dude, is like, Provo is far. I used to live in Kennesaw, Georgia. You're not far in Decatur. That's a long ways away from Provo. Like, is that going to be a problem? And he said, no, like I'm, I'm going to go. God has led me my whole life. I'm going to continue to go where God leaves me. And like, that was his answer. And he meant it. It wasn't just like a cliche. There's a lot of kids like that out there that they're not going to be intimidated by the BYU environment, at least not the religious aspect. Maybe there's some culture shock moving from Georgia to Utah. Absolutely. There will be. But uh, he fits in. Uh, his personality is going to fit in really well with BYU and the honor code and things like that. Um, there are so, I mean, yeah. you used to live in Georgia. I used to live in South Carolina. There are so many kids like that. I mean, so for example, I remember one time, um, I remember one time there was a kid that, or I was at a restaurant in South Carolina and they had like a, a prayer roll at the checkout, mm-hmm. right? Where it was like, you, it was like, if you need someone to pray for you, it's like here, it's like, you know, leave, write someone's name in and, you know, put it in this bowl. And then it was like the owners of this tire shop or uh, it was actually like a, it was a smoothie place. Well, like, you know, they'll like take it to their church and they will be prayed over on Sunday. Like that's a normal thing in the South. That is a, you know, there is the radio station I always listened to. It was, country you know in the fall it was country five days a week 
and then, or, you know, four days a week, Friday, starting at noon, they switched over and started statewide high school football coverage and then broadcast a game and did, and then they did like a thing like you and Dusty Litster have of, you know, kind of your rewind thing mm-hmm. and then jumping around from game to game. There was, and then Saturday starting at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., they would start with Clemson coverage and they did the Clemson broadcast. And then on Sunday they had, uh, they played Christian music and then with clips similar to like the, what does KSL do on Sunday? Like the, soft Sunday sounds or whatever they yeah, call it, where they like, like, they like play yeah. EFY songs and then do like conference talks every other, after every song, do a little quote. They do the same thing, but with like famous preachers. And that was just a thing. Like that's life down there and that's how they live. And you can find a lot of those kids who you have to build the relationship and to get the see past the, like y'all bunch of weirdo cultists, you know, whatever. But there's kids who want that environment and it's really hard to get, but there are yeah. kids out there that want, there are plenty of kids who are ranked in 85 to 87 on 24 seven sports that, you know, that are, would go and would love to be in that kind of environment and still play at a very high level. And we have access yeah. to them now where before, like I said earlier in the show, it wasn't worth it to that, yeah. to deal with that, the Mormon crap when you're playing at a lower level, when you had higher exactly level. Now that right. you're on the same level, you can build that relationship with trust and, you might pull a kid here too. Uh, we do have breaking news that Jason Shear just tweeted out uh, four minutes, six minutes ago. Utah is expected to be accepted in the Big 12 as soon as tonight. Announcement could come within the next 48 hours. So that is the last of the four corners going. Uh, props to Jason Shear. I do not understand how people have lumped him in with MHV or three for the last year when he nice. has been dead on the entire step of the way for the last 13 months. He's been nails, and and there was a BYU fan that just responded to that very tweet that I want to single out of, don't be an idiot, BYU fans. I get you don't want Utah in the Pac-12, but use your words, right? This guy just replied to Jason and said, you have gone from being pretty credible to zero credibility, Jason. I hope you're wrong. Okay, Jason reporting something you don't want doesn't mean he doesn't have credibility. Like, use the right words. Because if what he says is accurate, and we all think it is, that's pretty damn credible. Don't be stupid and make the entire BYU fan base look dumb. That's just dumb. Don't be dumb. Because Jason has been absolutely on point. I don't know who his sources are, but they have fed him the accurate, correct information all along. And he has been through hell. I mean, Canzano and Wilner and Stuart Mandel, all these people have like targeted him out, right? I mean, they have and said- I don't understand it. Even like on Reddit CFB, people like, when you throw enough crap against the wall, something sticks. Like, what has he reported that's been wrong? Because he's huh. never said, like, and people are like, well, in April, he said that the Colorado meeting, they were going to move. He never said that. He said it had to do, you know, it was related to realignment, which now- you look back, it's, they had multiple meetings about it. They discussed it. They said, is this something you want to do? He never said a vote is expected. In fact, if you know what he tweeted out was one thing, but then if you read their thread on Wildcat Authority, he said every time he's like, nah, they're not going to move. Like, I don't expect any major new moves to happen out of this. It's just a conversation. It's just an update. You know, and that's in fact, what he up said until, over and over again. Up until recently, he was on the fence of all of this feels like noise. I bet you everything stays together. 
Yeah. Like he was he, very he pessimistic was, because yeah. of, I mean, what we talked about at the beginning, like the, the academics in the PAC 12, not seeing the big picture. He didn't, he thought they were going to be, we're going to be blinded and miss, you know, miss the shot. Yeah. It was always very strange that he got roped into some like conspiracy theorist uh, reporter because the dude got it right. And he continually I mean, got it right again and again and again. I, I, he must be like Bobby Robbins's nephew or something because he, he was there all along getting it right. I, I am excited. He did say that he was going to write like a tell all uh, article of what, cause it's, I mean, he's known stuff for a long time and sat on it cause he's very wise of, you know, when to share things and what to share and when to share and how to share it and to be a useful tool, but also you want to push against it, right? Like you, you got to push back in part of, you know, you can't just be a plant, but you know, part of being a journalist is that when you have sources, you can't, say, hey, my source is an idiot and is screwing everything up, right? Like if you have if you have Bobby Robbins ear, you can't trash him in public, mm -hmm. but you got to be very choosy with your words. And he has done that and has done a great job. And they, you know, there's mad props to him. I still do not understand why people are have been saying you know and i've asked people like hey what has he been wrong about he's like well he said this was all going to happen a year ago no he didn't the first thing he ever reported when he blew up and the first thing he ever reported was that the big 12 was having conversations with the four corner schools now in the end that's exactly what the moves that happened yep. but we know that those conversations happen he never said you know they're gonna they could move by you know, as early as next week, he never made a statement like that. He never once made a prediction about when something was happening. He just said, these people talked, they talked. I know this is talked. I've heard there's no deal. The PAC 12 is meeting next week. Still no deal. They've did this. The numbers are in the low twenties. They're nowhere near good enough. That's the, he has talked in the generalities of like, this is the information that's happening. He's never had never once made a prediction about what the outcome would be. Just what the current state of things were. No, he, he was right every single the time. Only, the only sort of predictions that he ever made was shooting down the predictions of John Canzano of like, my spidey senses are tingling. And like, no, they're not even close. Like those yeah. were the only, that was the closest thing to a prediction that, that Shear ever did. So yeah, kudos to Jason Shear. So now, now that we are in the same league are going to be, uh, he says it's ex Arizona is expected to announce tomorrow. I guess is the plan that they will announce Arizona and ASU tomorrow. Um, you know, we will have to see, we'll have to get Jason on the show because I'm assuming that we will, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Colorado. Colorado probably would rather be with their big things, but I think I kind of feels like the two Utah schools and the two Arizona schools will be a pod of sorts. Even if we don't do like permanent rivals, even if there are permanent rivals, we'll probably actually be a certified pod where we are each other's permanent rivals and playing each other just to save on travel, but it is a great, I mean, both schools, ASU, I could take them and leave them, but it is great that I will probably be all the Cougar fans in Arizona. You're going to be guaranteed to get a football game every year and at least one basketball game a year. If not, you I mean, if depending on how you do it, if you end up doing where it's like, there's three schools that you have a home and home with, it's going to be the th two Arizona schools in that. So we may get two hoops games a year and a football game every year. And that's awesome. Hoops is going to be so brutal. I know. It's going to be bad. It's going to be ASU, Utah, and BYU just fighting for the bottom. I mean, UCF's not that great either. But I, I mean, but they did have Taylor Hendricks. Like, they could get yeah. talent. He just went to the Jazz. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's I going know. to be a, a bloodbath. 
I'm but, excited. I mean, okay, I, 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 the, uh, let's end the show with this. Utah's coming. Let's accept it. It's a given, right? Okay, it's happening. It's going to be fun as hell to have a rivalry game that means something again. Like, there's realistic scenarios where BYU and Utah could be playing each other on Thanksgiving weekend uh, with a playoff spot on the line. Like, that's going to be fun as hell. And I think some of the toxicity of the rivalry that we've hated over the last 12 years a lot of it has been rooted in Utah thinks they're better than BYU and they want it, BYU dead. And it's been in P5. It's been in Independence. It's been go back to the Mountain West. It's been we don't need you anymore. A lot of those arguments, like those trivial things that we've said about each other over the last 12 years, they go away when we're all in the same conference. And it really gets back to who's winning and who's losing. And that's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited about that. I mean, I would have loved and laughed and not lost a second of sleep if Utah got left out somehow, but they're here, they're coming, so let's accept that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like, there's definitely reasons to be excited about. And hopefully some of the, you know, the toxicity gets pulled out of it when, you know, they play in a league that's actually got a tough schedule for them. And yeah. they, and you know, they are not, I mean, a lot of the toxicity uh, aside from the religious aspect of it was just like that. It's, you know, we are inherently better than you because we are in the club and you're not. And it's now and we're I, on I equal actually, again. I, I think that the religious toxicity, I think that BYU and Utah are going to like come together because in the Mountain West days, like the teams that we have played against, they all knew that BYU was the Mormon school and Utah wasn't right. Like they all understood that. Uh, that's not going to be the case. Like when Utah goes to Texas tech, they're Utah, they're Mormons, just like BYU is people yeah. will figure it out. But I think that there's going to be a lot of that religious stuff that comes from, from big 12 foes that have no idea really what the difference is between BYU and Utah. Cause nationally speaking, they're the same. And, uh, it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I could see that that kind of almost like forging a bond between BYU and Utah, because we're all tired of getting these religious things. Nobody wants to see missionaries dressed up, you know, fake missionaries in the student section. It'll be interesting. It will be interesting. Uh, Jeff, we will be back next week. Uh, camp started this week. We have, you know, go, go read what Mitch Harper's putting out on kslsports.com. And, you know, the reports are there. It's good. Uh, you know, things are, we're close. The, the season is right around the corner. It is palatable can almost taste it we're just a few weeks away from actual college football but there's three weeks until week zero with a pretty solid week zero slate this year uh, so if you have not joined us yet uh, please go to giveemhellbrigham.com and sign up for the podcast and you know we'll be back into the swing of things with uh you know and we honestly we've been discording so much this week that's why we haven't really done a you know big podcast because there have been you know a whole actually let me I can look we up couldn't, right here. We, we couldn't do a podcast because every time you talk, something would break. For real. Man, like let's so, get to the end of the week. Uh let's see. What did we when did the dam break on Colorado? It was last Tuesday, right? It was like word things came out that it was happening, and then there was the Board of Regents vote was like on the 26th and then it was like on the 20th. Okay, we'll just say last Wednesday. There have been 10,000, 9,200 messages since 726 on our Discord. Just an absolute insane amount of messaging going back and forth and back and forth. Great time. 
And so please join us if you haven't. As the season's coming up, we'll be in our Green Threads, which is the best place on all of God's green earth to follow a game live. And it will be a good time. So please join us if you haven't. And check out uh, Jeff's Daily Dose on YouTube. And I'm running GFB Express also over on YouTube if you haven't. And thank you for everything you guys do to support as we are now heading into well, this is our fourth season of of covering, you know, in podcast form. That feels like way too long of a time, but mm-hmm. it's a good time. And this, and it's an exciting year coming up. So until next week, folks, give them out. Give them out.